Today is the first national day for truth and reconciliation in Canada. It is an opportunity for all of us to reflect on the truth of Canada's history and the ongoing intergenerational trauma caused by residential schools. We stand for hope and change. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you are doing well. Oh, man, what a game last night for the Blue Jays, Boris. That was one of the best games of the entire season, all of baseball. That was absolutely insane. It actually reminded me a lot of 2017 Game 5 LA Astros with those cheating MFers. Um, that game was absolutely insane. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really good call. It's exactly kind of it had that playoff vibe, Boris. And uh, yeah, we're we're nearing the home stretch. NFL is heating up. Uh, Toronto is cooling down. How are you doing today, man? I am doing fantastic. I'm doing wonderful. It's a beautiful day. Um, it's been a beautiful week. And it's going to be a beautiful episode because on this episode, we're going to be talking about MLB. It is playoff race time galore. I don't recall a year where we've seen two races where things can just completely shift overnight. How did we go from a three-team race to now a four-team race in the AL? We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be chatting NFL week three, week four preview. Then in the wrestling Matt, we have tons of wrestling to discuss. We're going to be talking ROH TV, MLW Fusion. We're going to be talking some Impact and a ton of G1 from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, we're going to catch up on the G1. Uh, We watched Nights 4, Night 5, Night 6, and 7 this morning. Uh, we're, yeah, we're going to get you all up to date on all of these things. We're, we're not going to go too in-depth, obviously, just time-wise. We're going to breeze by it, try to get all this in in a tight 90 minutes, perhaps two hours. Try to try to keep it nice and short and sweet as possible. But yeah, man, life is good. You know, hanging in there, swinging away. That's all you can really do at this point, man. It's just, it's, it's so busy right now. Work has been busy. Uh, the wrestling stuff has been absolutely busy, and I love it. Uh, real life has been busy and I love it. Things are, have been uh, pretty good overall. Like you said, the city is cooling down. As the city cools down, my sinuses go up. Yeah, definitely allergy season. I, I was just thinking, man, I need to get me some Claritin in this house right now. I'm uh, a little stuffy, but you know, life goes on, buddy. It's uh, it, it's definitely nice. It's a nice, cool, like 15 degrees. It's hoodie weather. It's football season. I, you know, feel like roasting some dogs and throwing the pig skin around or roasting some pigs and throwing the dog skin around or something. I don't know. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Boy. You have to be very careful with that one. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, dude, it's been crazy. But you know what? Without further ado, let's get to it because there's so much to talk. Dude, let's start with some baseball. Like you said at the top of the show, New York Yankees versus Toronto Blue Jays from last night to be exact. It was September 29th. That game was absolutely insane. I thought Toronto had it in the bag. Yeah, same. It, they, they, like, it was up and down, back and forth. Uh, yeah, my roommate was actually there. What a game to see. Definitely the best Blue Jays game of the season. Arguably the best baseball game of the season. Just just a, a really entertaining affair. Very important, too. So the Jays are now a game back of the wild card, Boris. Uh, they're hanging tough, man. Yep. But the new contender has arrived. I think Seattle is a half game back. They were able to beat the A's last night in another incredibly fun game to watch. I was able to watch that as well. Yeah. Oh, nice. I, I was not able. I did not see a second, not a single pitch of that one. But yeah, Seattle currently a half game back. Toronto a full game back of Boston for the final wild card spot. Now, Obviously, we're big. We're big homers. We're huge Blue Jays fans. Most of the people I, I think listening to this, being a, a Canadian uh, podcast here on the SNME Radio Network, I think we kind of lean uh, toward the Blue Jays. But 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 if the Blue Jays are not going to make it, I'm definitely okay attaching my flag to the Seattle bandwagon. I'm, I'm going Mariners. I'm not. <laughs> no, Seattle. No, no. Eh? nothing. No, why? Cascadia can keep it. No love for the Mariners. I've loved the Mariners ever since Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball, 1996 on the N64. No, not even. Not even Ken Griffey Jr. can get me to cheer for the freaking Mariners. Oh, man. No, I did. that's the longest playoff drought in all of sports, if I'm not mistaken, Boris, right is now, the Seattle yes. Mariners. Right now, yes. Yep, Buffalo was able to... Uh, to, to, to uh, the Bills, that is, to break that curse yes. last season. Get the monkey off their back. So, yeah, anyway, I, I obviously we're cheering for Toronto. We are a go Blue Jays, A-OK, let's play ball kind of podcast yep. over here, Boris. It's crazy. But, uh, it, personally, have, if, what, uh, four games left. We have to win every single game moving forward. We have to have results going our way at this point. But... Is it feasible that there's going to be a like a four game or a four team uh tie at the end of the season? Is that is that humanly possible? It's humanly possible, man. It would be insane, but it is. Like look at how close these teams are. Yankees 90 and 68, Boston 89 and 69, Seattle 89 and 70, Toronto 87 and 70. We're all right there. That's crazy. That is crazy. You know, the unfortunate part is that there are teams with games on hand. So that's that's the thing that kind of has me really worried. You know, we have an off day. Um, actually, no, we don't have an off day anymore. But it, it's just crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. The the, the teams that had a game, what I, I should have said, the teams that had a game in hand going into this um, to, into this weekend, they were able to get wins. So it's kind of unfortunate for the Jays. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, just my, my overall point, Boris, was would you not rather see Seattle make the playoffs than freaking Boston? Nope. Ugh. Nope. <laughs> not at all. All right. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Seattle can suck it. <laughs> Harsh. Uh, okay. So yeah, if the season did end today, 
our wild card games would be Yankees versus Red Sox and Dodgers versus Cardinals, which is just a, the absolute wet dream of the MLB. That's absolutely exactly what they want. Those are arguably the four most storied teams in all of baseball. The four biggest markets. That's what you want, right? That's well, exactly St. Louis is not the biggest market, but. Well, but they're a storied team, and like I said, not only are they the hottest team in all of sports right now, but they always manage to beat the Dodgers no matter how good or bad the Dodgers are. So, dude, like that is not the matchup I want as a Dodgers yeah, fan. You've, you've said that before, so the Dodgers better get to step in and catch the Giants here. They they have running out of time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the uh, – the divisional playoffs, I think, would be Astros versus White Sox, and the Rays would play the wild card team, and Brewers versus Braves, and the Giants would play the wild card team, right? So, yep. dude, another possibility. Let's assume everything goes our way, and the Jays make it into the wild card game, win the wild card game. That series versus Tampa Bay might be more reckless, might have more fights than the Texas Toronto <laughs> series from 2016. Oof. That was a hockey series, Texas Toronto. That was they, they're bench clearing brawls in that thing. But yeah, man, it's gonna be awesome. God, you know that there's a lot playoffs. of ill will between those two teams right now after the last series. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, after after the uh, the whole uh, lineup card uh, controversy and subsequent plunking that uh, occurred. Yep, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah, I I can't. Uh, this this weekend's going to be intense. I'm lucky enough to be going to the game on Sunday. Hopefully, it will be a meaningful game. At the same time, if it is a meaningful game, I might be drinking a little too much. We'll see. <laughs> well, that's going to be awesome, though, man. Definitely best of luck to you and your liver. And uh, hopefully hopefully the, the boys pull it out for you. But yeah, so uh, Red Sox, Orioles tonight. Blue Jays, Yankees tonight. Huge games. Seattle, they're on the... Uh, are, are they playing tonight? Um, I believe they are. I want to say that they're still facing the A's. Right. I actually, unless I'm tripping balls here, Boris, I don't think I see them on the schedule. Seattle might have the night off. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yes, yes, yeah, Seattle yep, has the night off. off, and they start they start tomorrow versus the Angels. All right, Otani, become the MVP and stop the Mariners. Yes, sir. Yeah, three games to glory, Otani. Please, please do it for your friends here in Canada. Yep. Oh, crazy stuff. All right, man, let's move on to the NFL. Week three was uh, something crazy. Carolina, real? What's going on? I know we talked about this last week. But, um, you know, they did play the Thursday night game, and, oh, man, they just wiped the floor with the Texans. Yeah, absolutely destroyed the Texans. Sam Darnold looking good. And they've had 10 days to prepare for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so that is going to be interesting, Boris. Uh, the Cowboys are a public team, obviously. America's team, as they say. So if the Panthers are for real and they do come out and smash Dallas – then we're going we're, you know, they're going to be on the map in a serious way. People are not going to be sleeping on the Carolina Panthers anymore. Dallas might be a really good team though. They just cranked the Cowboy or the Eagles rather on Monday night, right? 41 yep. to 21. It was. Yep. Something like that. Yep. 
Yeah. So I, I don't know that actually this week, the game that I'm most excited for is Panthers Cowboys, just to see which of those two teams actually is a threat in the NFC. You know, because yep. one of them will emerge Boris from that game, unless they tie zero zero, which honestly is a possibility. With those yeah, teams. exactly. Exactly. Now, Justin Tucker, must we talk about him? Oh, we have to. First of all, Poor Lions fans, just the worst beats, just just, just no luck in Detroit. But uh, yeah, Justin Tucker with an NFL record 66-yard field goal off the upright, the, the doink and in. The only time I've ever been able to do that was in Tecmo Super Bowl for the NES. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, not even in video games can you pull that move off. Yeah, Justin Tucker, he's... Uh, He's got to be the best kicker I've seen in my lifetime, right? I think, so. I think. I think so. I think so. Like it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy how good he is. Um, that kick, sixty-six yards. Holy shit! That's just insane. Um, yeah, he deserves. He deserves to have his name in the record books as the the guy who kicked the longest kick. I think he is the best kicker. You don't say these words often, Boris, but I think he's a Hall of Fame kicker. Ooh. Ooh, that those are those are quite the words to say, especially in the NFL, especially for a kicker. Now, Chargers, Chiefs, Chiefs. If you had told me at the beginning of the season that the Chiefs would be one and two, I would have laughed at you. Yeah, well, I mean, they're in last place in this division right now, and it's looking like it might be the best division in football overall. There's some all four teams have a chance to be really, really good here. The Broncos. They're, uh, they've only given up 26 points all year so far through three games. That's pretty tasty. They got a nice defense there in Denver. Uh, I'm not worried about the Chiefs long term, though. You know, Andy Reid is kind of like he's he, he, there are some issues there with his health. It, it's going to be it, it, they're the team that everyone's gunning for. I'm OK with them starting slow. I think, like we've said this before, I think once the season ends, like, you know, we'll see where the Chiefs are. But I'm not worried yet. I am far from worried yet about the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. And our Dolphins are are, are just are just sucking. Yeah. I am very worried about the uh, about the Dolphins. Thankfully, it's Dolphins-Colts, right? Two teams who have just aggressively shot their pants this season. So, I yep. don't know. It's a, it's a real battle of who wants it less, Boris. Yeah. Pretty much. All right, what do we have on deck for week four? Jaguars Bengals is going on the Thursday nighter. Ooh, that's gonna be a fun snooze fest. Yeah, that's a that's a terrible game, but it's nice because it's the last two number one overall picks in yeah. football at quarterback against each other. So it's interesting for that reason. But yeah, it's gonna be a largely terrible game. Hopefully it's a shootout and yep. uh both the young kids get a chance to spray the ball around the field a little bit. But yeah, it's it's kind of kind of a weird week, kind of a stinky week. I do think the the best games on top are definitely the one o'clock game that I'm paying uh, closest attention to will be the Cowboys versus Panthers game, and then at four o'clock, Cardinals versus Rams. That game's gonna be awesome too. I think Ravens, yeah, Ravens Broncos is gonna be fun too. Uh, Steelers Packers is always fun, but the Sunday nighter is one to watch just. For the just for the uh, the promos we're gonna get leading up to the game, and that's the Buccaneers, Patriots, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick going at it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's obviously the marquee matchup. Like to to a normal to a, to any football fan, that's that's the key. That's Brady versus Belichick. That's the main event. That's Austin versus McMahon, basically, right that there. Literally that's is. The, I was I was waiting. For, if you were going to say it, I would have. <laughs> it's a WrestleMania main event waiting to happen. I just kind of hate both parties. It's a heel versus Same. heel program to me, Boris. I don't care who wins. Yep. Uh, exactly I, I i really don't care whatsoever um but yeah dude like yeah nfl is really uh i would have to say it's an off week overall this week there are a couple games to watch out for but uh, that's pretty much it um yeah we'll we'll, we'll see what goes on is, is it is it time I find, to move? Uh, go ahead yeah i find just generally week four and five if you're gambling, they kind of do this on purpose. They kind of stock some blowouts in here. There's obviously a couple competitive games, but by and large, week four and five is where the NFL kind of levels out, and it's where like good teams beat some bad teams, and they kind of book it like this on purpose because the baseball playoffs are starting, NHL and NBA uh, starting, you know, and it's a very busy time of year, and the NFL is actually on the back burner a little bit, so. For gamblers out there, week four and week five, that's where you make your money. That's very, very tasty. That, those are fertile, fertile weeks for us. Yep, 100%. Um, yeah, from my friends who are into the gambling of sorts, they're loving this week and next week. It's hilarious that you even say that because they say the same thing. Um, I'm not a gambler. I am, you know, I, I, I do many things. Gambling is not one of them. Nice. Well, it's, it's I mean, it's a... Uh, you know, it's like anything else. It's, it could be very addictive. I do gamble a little bit. I'm not like crazy with it. I do have friends who are like heavy, like actually like bet like a lot of money. And even just through OLG pro line, like make consistent money all the time, betting lots and making lots. But uh, yeah, I, I, I have, uh, you know, I, I have my like my fantasy pools and such and uh i gamble here and there on the side i usually take a bath when i gamble on ufc but i'm, I'm pretty decent at uh, football and hockey yep exactly all right i think that's time it is time to move on to the wrestling portion of the show awesome let's do it much to discuss my friend yep tons to discuss so we're gonna start with some roh uh, so this week, there were only two matches yet again. There was a four-way survival match and a pure rules protege versus mentor match. So we're going to start with the protege versus mentor match. Brian Johnson versus PJ Black, pure rules. This was a fun, fun, fun match. Um, you know, basically, PJ Black, it, this, was, this was Darth Vader um versus obi-wan kenobi you know that this pretty much uh pj black had control early on started getting a little cocky brian johnson had it and you know and and unfortunately there was another schmage ending uh so essentially uh brian johnson i poked um pj black and then he did his neck breaker that he calls the process and he got the pin at 10 minutes 58 seconds i understand what they're going for i understand that this is his gimmick that he's going to be a heel you see and as a heel he's going to be cheating to win but there's something about the pure rules match and something about that that type of uh 
uh, way to get a win in ROH that you know kind of rubs me the wrong way, but it's impactful when they do it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a buy, and I'm, I really enjoy Brian Johnson. So Brian Johnson is you know last week he won the Pew Rolls Gauntlet. This week he won uh, a Pew Rolls match with PJ Black. So he's really trying to cement himself as the next contender. So that's cool. Um, but this match itself, I would give this match three and a half handshakes, three and a half pure rules out of five. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, man, we love Brian Johnson around here. I feel bad for him, though. He's going to have to rename his uh, finisher. The process has ended in Philadelphia. Yes. Yeah, big time. It is collapsed. It is destroyed. We should talk about that sometime, probably when we know what the hell is happening. Um, yeah. Once, but yeah. Once Ben Simmons officially gets traded and the process is officially over, we can talk about it in the first half of BAM and then suggest a new finisher name in the second half of BAM. I <laughs> love it. All right. The main event was a four-way uh, survival match, not an elimination, survival. Um, Brody King... Jay Lethal, Kenny King, and Shane Taylor. Uh, so this match was really fun. Now, the timing of these TV shows is really starting to irritate me. A four-man match in nine minutes and 21 seconds, Matt. Ah, that sucks. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just not exactly going to get the time it needs to breathe. And there's going to be a lot of people just laying around selling and kind of waiting for the next move, etc. Trying to get their shit in, as they say. That's exactly it. But the storytelling was really good. So Lethal and and Brody King started the match. You know, they had their big pay-per-view match a couple pay-per-views ago. Uh, So it was fun to see this. And Lethal... Learn from their last time. Because if you remember at the pay-per-view, Matt, Brody King just annihilated Lethal. He just overpowered him. Lethal came in using his smarts. He came in with fast attacks, got the advantage on Brody King. So that was really cool. Shane Taylor went in. Shane Taylor and Jay Lethal were going at it. If you remember from this past pay-per-view, Kenny King and Shane Taylor kind of had a small breakout uh, storyline going. So that was continued in this match. Um, and then, you know, Brody King essentially just just is, is, is being lined up to be the next one to face Bandito. Because the end of the match, uh, we saw Kenny King lifting up uh, Shane Taylor. He got a blue thunder bomb. To which Brody King came in, uh, threw Kenny King out the um, ring, hit Taylor with a clothesline to the jaw, a lariat, got the win in 9 minutes and 21 seconds. So your winner was Brody King. Nice. Yeah, yeah. like you said, he did absolutely steamroll young Jay Lethal in the pay-per-view. So that's uh, that's good. They're keeping him strong, and I'm glad they did a little bit of storytelling in this match, and it yep. wasn't just dudes laying around. Yeah, the, you know, the the big the person that was there, I guess, to to really lay the foundation, pardon the pun, was uh, Jay Lethal at the end of the day, right? And he was kind of the odd man out, but his experience and just him being Jay Lethal puts... Um, a bigger emphasis on Brody King's win. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. He is the, uh, for lack of a better term, the Ric Flair, the Hulk Hogan, the Babe Ruth of ROH, or he's at least positioned as such, if he's not really, you know? They they tell you he is. Yeah, exactly. So I would give this match another three and a half handshakes 
out of five. Overall, fun show. Um, so I think we're going to move on to some ML dubs, MLW Fusion Alpha, uh, episode two. Uh, it was taped in Philadelphia. It was aired last night on the YouTube page. Um, so this had two good matches and one squash, which was meh. Arez versus Aramis is a must-watch match from this show. I oh, really? thoroughly enjoyed this match a lot. Oh, please, do go on, because I have not seen this show yet. I was busy catching up on the old G1 and scribing it out over at sportspap.com. Anyway, Boris, yeah, uh, please please enlighten us as to why this match was so great. All right, Aramis, honestly, he is the next Laredo kid. He is the next Ray Phoenix. This kid is awesome. Such a good luchador. Um this, this match had a lot of near falls, but not like annoying near falls. It was just very good near falls, well thought out, um, nonstop action, to be 100% honest. Um, Erez got a wild codebreaker-like move for the near fall. Erez then went for a shooting star press. Aramis avoided it. Um, he performed a spinning torture rack into a power bomb. And that's how we ended up winning. Honestly, such a fun match. Uh, bell to bell. It was so much fun. I wasn't able to time this match, however. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a, such a good match. I'm going to have to give this match uh, four fusions out of five. Four out of five. Great match here at BAM Sports and Entertainment. That's dope, man. Good for the young lads. I'll definitely check that out. Yep. On, After uh, the match, on... they, uh, they shook hands. This was so freaking good. This was so freaking good. All right. Um, we got a vignette for Tajiri, who's going to be on the Fightland special that's going to air next Thursday on Vice TV exclusively. Um, so, yeah, Tajiri is going to MLW. Awesome. I hope he's still got something left in the tank, man, because, like, oh one. 2000 1999 Tajiri, like late ECW Tajiri, one of the most underrated badasses, one of the coolest wrestlers ever. Tajiri versus Steve Carino, goddamn, that match is amazing. Yep. All right. Uh, Cesar Duran, he was talking on the phone. His mass sidekick appeared looking for something. Matt Cross showed up, says he needed an answer. He says, Matt Cross says he deserves a title shot. Duran said Cross could have a title shot against Fat 2. Duran nodded, and then his masked man led Cross away. So there we go. Um, so it Matt was, Cross. Yep. It was, uh, he's, all, he's one of those guys who I thought was Canadian because he appears on every indie show that I've ever seen in my life. It was Matt Cross was on it. I thought he was a Canadian guy, but he's actually from, like, Ohio or something. Yep. Yeah, he just he just wrestles here a lot, a lot. Yeah. Kind of like uh, uh, Sammy Callahan, right? Like he's always up here doing indie shows. Yeah, but yeah, indeed, Sammy Callahan also not Canadian. Yep. Uh, so then, yeah, it was officially announced: Fat Two versus Cross uh, for at next week's Alpha. Uh, we also have Willow Nightingale versus Ashley Vox. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see what uh, what happens there. The second match. Eh, this was all right. Uh, this was Alex Kane versus Bud Heavy. Um, Bud Heavy. Bud Heavy. 
Yep. <laughs> you know, uh, when I travel up to Sudbury, I usually try to be bud heavy. No, never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Kane finished off heavy with a ripcord Olympic slam. He put one foot on him. The referee made the count. Alex Kane defeated a bud heavy after the match. <laughs> heavy flipped off Kane, who returned to the ring and performed a, a ton of suplexes on him. This is all right. I don't know. I really didn't care about this too much. Um, I would give this match two and a half fusions out of five. Nice, Back, typical yeah. Mendoza line kind of squash for exactly. Bud Heavy. For from a, yeah, for for Alex Kane to Bud Heavy. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. Elisa Touts interviewed uh, Edge and, and Duca noted that he had the most eliminations in the Battle Riot match, and Duca said it felt good to show everyone how good he is. He said he would show up and show out. I like this Nduka kid. He's really good. They seem to be putting a lot of um, a lot of emphasis on him and whatnot. It's insane that NXT let this guy go. Like, isn't this exactly what they're looking for right now? Yep, a hundred percent. You know, no or barely any wrestling um, background. Professional athlete, good look, hoss body. Go figure. And he can talk. He's not like an idiot. He's like a smart, articulate guy who can cut a decent promo, and you want to see more of him when you see him in the ring or outside of the ring. So I have no idea how in God's name they let this guy go. Yep. All right. After that, we got a video package to uh, highlight uh, Conan's team of Rivera and Slice Boogie. Um, still undecided on these two. These two just look weird. Um, but yeah, I do like, I do like slice boogie. When we watch NWA, he stands out as a guy who's like above the pack slightly, you know, I like slice boogie. It'll be interesting to see him in an, in an environment. That's not NWA surrounded yes. by like Tyrus. <laughs> right. Uh, Tyrus. All right. Uh, we <laughs> Worst got wrestler in the business. Sorry. Uh, he's up there. He's Please up continue. there. He's up there. Uh, we got a, um, fight land control center type. Uh, vignette uh, hyping up the Vice TV special next week because next week we're getting Fat 2 versus Hammerstone in the title V title match Myron Reed versus Aramis versus Ares versus Tajiri in a four way for the MLW middleweight championship um, and then Alicia Atout hosts MLW embedded with pro wrestling reporters taking part interesting that sounds like a watchable uh, thing yep um, a vignette aired for Bobby effing fish. So this guy's just all over the place right now. He's making the rounds, this Bobby fish. He ain't retired. I'll, I'll never retire, he says. Yeah, well, he should. <laughs> well, he's a, he's, he's a good in-ring hand, as they say. I don't think he's a good promo. He thinks he's a good promo. I disagree. Uh, but yeah, he's a good he's a good guy to have on the MLW roster. I think he's a good guy for Sammy Guevara's first title defense. Uh, it's interesting that he's out there doing his thing. Yeah, you know, just like a lot of other people, he has something to prove, right? Yeah. And why not very, enjoy very the true. forbidden door being open while you can? Because who knows how long this forbidden door is realistically going to be open. I think it could go forever or it could end tomorrow. It's one of those things, man. You never know. So exactly, like milk it for all it's worth while these opportunities are in front of you. Unfortunately, and I hate to say this because I never want to see this, but unfortunately, I feel that it's going to end after that first injury. 
That's interesting, man. That's very interesting. We'll see. Luckily, uh, the cons have deep pockets, so I'm sure uh, insurance slash, uh, you know, any kind of financial compensation could be in order. But you're right. That that's that's something I hadn't even considered, man. Yeah. All right. Main event of the night: Alex Hammerstone versus Tom Lawler for the MLW National Openweight Championship. This match was all right. This match wasn't the best. This match wasn't the worst. I love Tom Lawler. He's awesome, but he did not win. Um, this match was overall pretty fun. Um, this, uh, what's his name? Alexander Hammerstone got the clean win. He got the 100% clean win. Made sense that he was going to win. You know, he does, he will be facing Fatu next week. So, yeah, it made yes. sense. The immortal Hulk Hammerstone. Interesting. Yeah. they're And they're really pushing that, like, that, like, Hogan-like character. Big time. And I mean, like, say what you will about the guy. It's kind of working for him. I don't necessarily super love it, but he leans into it with all of his heart. And, uh, hey, man, it's going to be his thing. Like, we'll, we'll see. I don't think it has a chance to get over near 1% as much as the actual Hulk Hogan. But Oh, for sure. It's like Jackson Ryder, right? Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> so after the match... He goes backstage. Alicia Tout was going to interview Hammerstone. She was pushed out of the way. I was Contra Unit comes in, beats Hammerstone up as the feed gets killed. All right. So Fusion Alpha, an unfortunately named television or YouTube program, but it seems like it was a pretty decent watch overall. One hour long, I'm guessing? Yep, just one hour. That's not bad, man. That's not bad. Yep. All right. Um, let us so, yeah, move to... Yes, well, just overall, like, before we do, thumbs up, thumbs down. How do you feel about MLW Fusion Alpha, and will you continue to watch? Um, I would have to give this a thumbs up. This was a very fun show. Um, it was... It was fun. It was good. There was a crowd. It had the recipe to make things really, really good really good really watchable um you know the production isn't the worst uh you know the matches were pretty good and it they seem to have this pretty good formula on hand you know if every second match of the card is going to be a uh, a squash then i'm fine that's cool let's do it all right that sounds good man yeah the nice they're kind of trying to be the mix between dynamite and dark all at once right yeah, that's exactly exactly what they're trying to do. Because, um, you know, they have these wrestlers that no one knows of that they're trying to promote. They do hype reels for them, but then they also have these guys like the Bobby Fishes, the Tajiris, you know, like the Fatus, who everyone kind of knows. Um, the household names, for lack of a better term, right? Yes, absolutely. Man, I feel, not that I feel bad for Tajiri, but he kind of deserves a little more. If I were Tony Khan, Tajiri would be my Christian He's the guy who I think is the best and most underrated wrestler out there. Yeah, for sure. All right, let uh, so let's move to Impact. The reason why we're talking Impact, it is because we are on the road to Bound for Glory, um, you know, and it's going to be a huge match. Josh Alexander is going for it. He is going for it against Christian, a good old Canada versus Canada, Ontario v. Ontario match. I'm very excited for that. I think and hope 
Josh Alexander will win. I think he's ready for that world title. I think he deserves it. He'd be a worthy champion. I'm excited to see him with that belt around his waist. Uh, Man, it's going to be awesome to see Christian versus Josh Alexander. As you said, two good Canadian boys, Boris. Yep. So I'll try to go through this a little quicker. Uh, So Scott Damore gets things started. He explains option C. He brings out Josh Alexander. He reminds Josh Alexander that once he hands over the title, a tournament will begin to crown a new champion. Uh, So he kind of wants to make sure that this is what Josh Alexander wants. Alexander, and this is, I love this, dude. Look at what the story that they're going here. Josh Alexander says that, you know, he had neck surgery six years ago. He had doubts about his future, but he has no doubts now because he knows he can be the face of impact. This brings out Christian Cage, who says Alexander almost lost his career, but Christian did lose his career for seven years. Cage tells him to think about this because right now he is the face of the X division, but he won't be the face of this company because he's the champ. Instead, he'll just be another face in the crowd. Josh Alexander says this makes his decision that much easier, and he hands over the title to Scott Damore. Nice. Oh, that's good, man. Good bit of storytelling. Sounds like a decent promo. How is Josh Alexander as a promo guy? He's not too bad. He's not too bad. I thought he would be more. He's he's uh, he's not Lance Storm. He's not Bret Hart. Right. You know? But he's still a little I serious, but not stiff. He knows how to deliver the the right lines. He knows how to get his point across. Well, that's good. Yeah, like that that's it's like you say serious is okay, but like stiff and wooden is yes. not okay in professional wrestling. Exactly. All right, so Scott Demore leaves the ring. Ace Austin, Madman Fulton are there to interrupt. Austin doesn't go away quietly after a loss at Victory Road and calls out Josh Alexander for being a quitter. He would never give up the title like that, but Alexander says that wasn't an option because Alexander took the title from him. The fight is on, but Austin's cane shot hits Cage by mistake. Um, Yeah, so that's pretty much where we're at. Then we got Rich Swan, Willie Mack. They're apparently not happy after losing their tag title shot at Victory Road, but they want their next shot. Mack wants in the X Division title tournament. Swan wants in the Call Your Shot gauntlet match. Brian Myers shows up. He says he's in the gauntlet match as well, but he whines so much that a tag match is set for later. Uh, Josh Alexander then complains about Ace Austin, so Scott Demore makes the match between them for later um and this actually leads us to the first match of the night which was hikuleo versus david finley uh david finley beat hikuleo with a roll-up and i freaking hate this these endings of these matches stop the roll-up endings (laughs) the roll-up movement boris anti-roll-up agenda has been clear for some time no it's definitely a trope it's definitely overdone and it's rarely earned it rarely works anymore yeah it worked for one two three kid and that's about it (laughs) and he won with the moonsault yeah Uh, he beat razor ramon with the moonsault anyway i'm sure he won many times with a roll-up but yeah man yeah it's just yeah it's not it's it's the easiest cheapest way out yep this match went and this is the thing Go for your roll-up in the first five minutes of a match. But this match went 11 minutes and 14 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Hikaleo 
get all the practice you can while you're out of New Japan. Um, just do everything you can. He's getting better, but there's still some obvious signs that he's, uh, you know, not up to par and still learning. Yeah. Hey, man, he is he is uh, young, and this is how you learn. There's only one way to do it. Yep. All right, so uh, after the match, the brawl is on with Finn Juice. Uh, they're trying to fight the Bullet Club. Um, Bullet Club ends up coming down. And then we get aving it by Violent by Design. Uh, they talk about what happened to Rhino last week. Uh, Rhino, for the record, got kicked out of the group. They say that this was necessary. Violence is the only cure for the sickness. And while Rhino can apologize, he needs to decide and do the right thing. They need an answer next week. So is he in or is he out? Uh, Matt Cardona is done with Rohit Raju and Shira, but Chelsea Green is ready to take out Raju herself. Uh, Sue Young's followers um, are around. They're just walking around. See, it's hard to report on this because, like, you know how Impact does their vignettes, like vignette after vignette after vignette. Yeah, just bam, 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 bam. Like, yeah, I it's... It's pretty good when you're watching. It flows well. But yeah, in this portion of the recap, I can imagine it being quite annoying. Yep. All right. Match number two, Chelsea Greed versus Rohit Raju. I don't even want to talk about this match. This match was horrible and the worst possible ending. Rohit Raju beat Chelsea Green via small package in four minutes, seven seconds. (laughs) Oh, that's an intergender match via small package. Yep. How pathetic. How pathetic. Um, I'm uh, now is not the time or place because I want to let's try to keep this thing brief. But yeah, one day we're going to do a big intergender rant. Nothing in wrestling pisses me off more. I, I hate it the most. Intergender wrestling sucks. It's stupid. It's it's like white trash garbage. It makes no sense. I hate it. Uh, we get a ving- a look back at what W. Morrissey did uh, at Victory Road. He took out Alicia Edwards. This sends us into another promo with Eddie Edwards swearing vengeance. But he doesn't want to hear from Sammy Callahan because apparently they're BFFs now. Um, so, yeah, Moose comes in. F- um, so that doesn't work for Sammy Callahan. He wants revenge of his own. Moose comes down, um, but he gets beaten down as Eddie Edwards wants to know where W. Morrissey is. This is very um, Russo booking. Like, there's just a lot of stories being meshed together, which is kind of cool, but it makes for a very messy show when the execution isn't the best. Exactly. It just gets confusing and muddled, right? Yeah. All right, so Rich Swan and Willie Mack versus Brian Myers and a mystery opponent. Myers says his learning tree isn't ready to team with him in this match, so he has a surprise partner. Uh, VSK, another one of his students. Uh, this match was all right. It only went 5 minutes, 16 seconds. Uh, Rich Swan and uh, Willie Mack beat Brian Myers and VSK via a high crossbody. Interesting. Well, um... I I guess I wouldn't expect Brian Myers and student of to to do much here. How how was this match though? How did the, VSK look? Not bad, not bad at all. To be honest, um, this match I would honestly give this a three and a half um, oh, nice. TNAs out of five. <laughs> That's good. Seventy percent Sunny Siaki percentage. Yep. All right. 
uh, Johnny Swinger is worried backstage. He's worried about Impact going to Las Vegas and putting him out of business. He writes a letter to Scott Demore, who thinks he just bought the company from Bob Carter's daughter. Um, therefore, Demore needs to come to Swinger's Palace next week and talk about this. And he signs it, J.J. Dillon. <laughs> That's fun. That's yeah. a good gag. Um, your favorite tag team, my favorite tag team, the Good Brothers. They're still on vacation because they have beaten every team around. They're on the top of the mountain, and the only thing to do is knock any other team off the mountain. Uh, so we get a vignette of the Good Brothers and seeing how effing annoying they are week after week on Impact. Sounds like the most skippable thing I can imagine in pro wrestling right now. Yep. Then we got a very long, very unnecessary Mickey James and Deanna Perrazzo face-to-face. Um, you know, they've been working this. I, I shouldn't downplay how bad it was. Um, or sorry, how good it was. It, it wasn't the worst, but they've been doing this week after week after week for months and months and months. They did the respect angle. Now they're doing the we hate you angle. So Mickey James, Deanna Perrazzo is set up for Bound for Glory. All right. Well, uh, it'll be a good match. Deanna is one of the most underrated uh, women's wrestlers out there. She's really, really good. Mickey can still go to some extent. So we're going to see. Uh, yep. I like that they're doing it. But yeah, I haven't seen a second of this build. So, yep. Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan, are, they're going after Dubs Morrissey. Uh, they get cut off by security. Scott Demore makes the street fight for next week. Um, then we get Gail Kim. She announces a tournament for Knockouts Knockdown featuring an eight-woman tournament with four knockouts and four from elsewhere. The winner gets a Knockouts title match, but here's the influence to interrupt things. Madison Rain thinks they should get a Knockout Tag Team title shot, but Kim says they have to beat Rachel Ellering and Jordan Grace next week. So... Main event time, Josh Alexander versus Ace Austin. This match, dude, watch this match. This was a great match, and it's all Josh Alexander. Ace Austin is good, but Josh Alexander is like near perfection. This match went about 15 minutes, just over 15 minutes, about 15-10. Josh Alexander beat him with the C4 spike. Fun little match, really well done. I'm going to have to give this match four TNAs out of five. Nice, nice, nice. I'll, I'll definitely check that out. Love so, some Josh Alexander. And yeah, Ace Austin's a pretty good wrestler, man. Yep. So here's my review for this week's Impact. Too many vignettes, too many too many cuts, too many short vignettes to, that make a very long segment. But the in-ring, for the most part, was okay. And for God's, but for God's sake, just stop with intergender wrestling and stop with small Package victories. <laughs> Brutal, man. The roll up. The roll up. Yeah. yeah but- so yeah, it kinda kinda seemed like a like a pretty bad show listening to your review, but I would check out that main event for sure. It's all it's all set up for Bound for Glory, right? It's all story for Bound for Glory. I'm hoping that this week we see some of the stories actually happen. And I don't I'm not quite sure what they're doing with the um, with uh W Morrissey. Is it gonna be a tag team between Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan against Moose and Morrissey, or are they going to have like kind of two breakout programs from there? I'm not quite sure where they're going with that. Do you think Enzo comes in at any point or no? Um, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yep, I'd I like see, Enzo. I'd I'm rather see Bobby Fish than Enzo. I, I uh, respectfully disagree, sir. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, then that's that. All right, so yeah, so that is Impact overall. Like I say, I'm really looking forward to this week's episode, mainly because it can't be worse than this one. Um, the in-ring is good. The stories need a little more something, and the production is horrendous. Yeah, fair enough, man. That seems pretty much par for the course for Impact Wrestling. All right, let us move on to New Japan Pro Wrestling G1. All right, we have a lot to cover. So, yes. Matt, so, do your thing. Yes, thanks, buddy. So, where we last left you uh, was G1 Climax Night 3, and that... I believe, was September 23rd. So we now have four shows to catch up on over the past week. So we'll just quickly go through all the G1 matches in these four shows. At the end, we'll give you the current standings. We're also going to give you a list of recommended matches. It's basically every match so far that we've gone above four stars, four whatevers on uh, at this point. So without further Adieu, Boris. Let's go. G1 Climax 31, night four. This was from September 24th, 2021. So, match number one was Tanahashi, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Hiroki Goto. This was exactly what you were expecting out of a Tanahashi versus Goto opening match. Very good. Very good wrestling. Uh, Wasn't great. Old dog Tanahashi gets the win with a crafty veteran finish. Boris, you guessed it. Small package. <laughs> yep. I, 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 yeah. I watch this match and I'm just like, of course. And then as I'm talking about impact, I'm like, I know exactly what's going to kick off our G1 coverage. <laughs> it's just funny that, you know, this one was earned though. This was, this told the story. This is, and Tanahashi would do it again later in this tournament. He gets outclassed and out wrestled by his younger beefier opponent but tanahashi uses his veteran instinct and his guile to pull out the win so yeah tanahashi pins goto with a small package in 14 minutes and 10 seconds we're gonna go three and a half climaxes on that one 70 percent. it's a b uh moving on next match we had tama tonga versus chase owens so this is actually i really dug this match tama tonga having a good tournament chase owens having a good tournament this was bullet club versus bullet club boris so you were kind of expecting like a lot of bullshit and chicanery but it was a straight up wrestling match i like this match i like this match a lot um you know it wasn't the best technical match but there was a nice little story being told i loved how chase owens was watching his back he didn't really trust ghetto out there like you know he, he was kind of like i know what happens when 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 someone's in the ring uh so i kind of like that story that they were saying i like the chase owens i'm not gonna give up i'm gonna give the fight to you bring the fight to you i should say um i think that they did a great job yeah million percent agree with you buddies yes yeah, so tomatonga pins chase owens with the gun stun aka rko in 12 minutes and 53 seconds. I would also go three and a half uh, climaxes out of five. That's going to be a 70%. These are pretty good matches. And Boris, here's a match that was even better. Yoshihashi versus Jeff Cobb. Cobb pins Yoshihashi with the Tour of the Islands, which is his spinny power slam dealy in 13 minutes and 21 seconds. Man, Yoshihashi got good. Dude rules now. Dude. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, dude, this guy is actually legitimately half decent now. Um, but Cobb, he is a monster. He's a beast. He's insane. This guy needs to be world champ somewhere. 
Yeah, man, he's a dark horse to win this entire G1 Climax 31. Uh, and we know that he and Shingo have amazing matches every time. So, Yeah, yep, exactly. Do you think yeah, that so- they would do something like this, like that? Like, just completely swerve us all and, like, bring up new stars? They could, man. Why not? They have to do something with New Japan, you know, right now. they I, I, I could see them just going back to safe Okada, though. That's that, that's what I picked. That's what I think they're going to do. Yep. But to Okada Reigns, as I like to call them. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, Yamadu! Okada sucks! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, I would give I would give this match three and three quarter climaxes out of five. Seventy five percent B plus best thing on the show so far. Next match, Boris Sonata versus Tai Chi. Tai Chi wins with the Black Mephisto, which is like the air raid crash, the the white noise, whatever. Twenty five minutes and fifteen seconds. This match went seventeen minutes too long. This match went twenty minutes too long. Um, <laughs> Sonata is becoming a boring wrestler for me. He is so formulaic. I hate his um his uh what do you, what do they call it? The the sit down rap thing. Um the something in paradise, the paradise lock. Oh yeah, yeah, the uh the paradise lock is yeah, the, yeah, the, paradise, I think it's lock. the paradise lock. Yeah. yeah, I can't stand that thing. It is the most stupid move in all of wrestling. <laughs> um and it, especially in New Japan, it just seems so off, right? Yeah. That's like it's honestly It's like an Orange Cassidy move. Yeah, it's that's exactly it. It seems like like can you imagine if someone were to start using the people's elbow in New Japan? <laughs> uh, well, I could imagine him using it. Yeah, sorry, not to offend any of our female listeners, but yeah, I also find Sonata to be quite boring these days. Yeah, this match went like like you said, like twenty minutes too long. Maybe it was good wrestling that went an hour past its target. So that's kind of ty- kind of typical of the G one sometimes. So yeah. I went Mendoza line for this one, two and a half climaxes out of five. Yeah, and the the worst part is that this match, um, you know, from the entrances because it was a Tai Chi match, you know. That this was like a 30 plus minute exhibition. Yeah, exactly right. So yeah, lots of time eaten up. Uh, The main event of night four was uh, Kazuchika Okada versus Evil. Okada pins Evil with the Rainmaker in 21 minutes and 46 seconds. Went longer. It felt longer than it went. I couldn't call it a bad match. Okada could not have a bad wrestling match, but you've seen this match before. You don't need to watch this one. Yeah, that's the unfortunate part. We've seen this match quite a few times already, and I really do think that Evil and Sonata, I know that they're not even the same groups anymore, but they just need to become a tag team again. They they need to yeah. just stop this singles push for both guys. I can uh, I can co-sign that. I can get behind that. One thing I do like about this G1 a lot is that Okada is full Okada. He is gaining strength, not losing it in this G1. Yep. We're going to go three climaxes out of five for that main event. It is a 60%. And yeah, on night four, there was nothing really worth going out of your way to see unless you just love Jeff Cobb or Yoshihashi. It's still funny that that's the best match of the night overall. I also like the Chase Owens match. Like, it just told a good story. And, you know, more Bullet Club matches should be like that. I'm starting to get really sick and tired of every Bullet Club match being a schmoz. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. It's just, it's it's far past overplayed. Uh, All right, so let's go into night five, September 26th. 2021 G1 Climax 31 Night 5 starts off with the Great Okan versus your boy Yujiro Takahashi. Uh, this match, honestly, 
it was it was an average wrestling match, which I mean as a great compliment to these men because I didn't know that they had an average match in them. Yeah, yeah, uh, agreed 100%. So, yeah, Okan pins Yujiro with the Iron Claw Slam, which is called the Eliminator, 14 minutes and 16 seconds. At this moment, Okan is undefeated in the G1, and, uh, yeah, he's looking like a world beater. Yeah. I would go two and a half Mendoza line for this one. Way better than I thought it was going to be, honestly. Yeah, exactly. It was better than what I thought it was going to be. But you compare this to other matches that we've seen already in the G1, and this one was met at best. Yeah, agreed. Uh, okay, so the next match, Toru Yano versus Tangaloa. Ugh. <laughs> this was your standard Yano match. He's uh, he's Santino Morella. He's Eddie Guerrero. He's Santino Guerrero. Boris. How the hell do you put Santino Morella and Eddie Guerrero in the same sentence? <laughs> Just in terms of the, the referee shenanigans. Yeah, you're right. He's Eddie Guerrero on, on his worst day was 10 times better than Toriano will ever dream to be. You know what's funny? I'm the one with the hot takes, but you say some really stupid stuff that pisses people off. <laughs> <laughs> Santino Guerrero. I just wanted to throw that line in. I just wanted to call him Santino Guerrero. Anyway, uh, just in terms of uh, the shenanigans with the referee, he does Eddie Guerrero spots all the time. I'm not saying he's as talented anyway. This match was bad. Yano wins with your favorite small package roll-up cradle thingy in 10 minutes and 46 seconds. Uh, At this exact second, Yano was in second place in the group, Boris. Yeah, I know. I know. It's sure. Let's move on. So we're going to go one and a half climaxes out of five just because it was slightly better than Yano versus the great Okan. Yep. All right. Next, uh, next match. It's a combination that could never go wrong. Tomohiro Ishii versus Kenta. So coming into this match, Kenta was in fourth. Uh, Ishii was in ninth, basically in dead last because Naito was already out of this tournament. So, I was kind of thinking that Ishii would win, but Kenta pins him. Boris, with your favorite, schoolboy roll-up. 21 yep. minutes and 8 seconds. I don't, I just don't get it. I, I just don't, I'm, 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 I'm going to prepare a full rant about the, the roll-ups very soon. <laughs> Next week, maybe, on, uh, on NXT Talk, when they do three on NXT 2.0. But yeah, I this swear match to God, tie- if, if Champa loses the belt via roll-up, I'm going to freak the F out. <laughs> I can see it. I'm, I'm positive. Uh, Breaker wins with roll-up. Io Shirai loses via roll-up. Anyway, um, I, this match was a tad too long, but you can't go wrong with these guys. They will always have great matches when lined up against each other. I went three and three-quarter climaxes on this one. 75%. It's a B-plus in Canada. Boris. Yep. Cool. All right, next up. The main event of night five. Highly recommend this match. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kota Ibushi. It's the finals of the Cruiserweight Classic, Boris. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, Uh, my God. Coming into this match, Zack Sabre Jr. is undefeated. Uh, Ibushi is, you know, uh, he's in that dwindling pack of guys in the upper middle middle there. And Zack Sabre wins clean, submits Coda in 19 minutes and 55 seconds with something that he calls Clarky Cat Bad Balloon Remix, which basically is a Brock lock, the old like Brock Lesnar, you know what I mean? I think Sammy Callahan uses it too. Yep. Uh, 
the leg across the head while seated with a grapevine around the arms. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. inventing submissions and torturing men with it. Uh, this was a great match. Four and a quarter climaxes out of five. 85%. Solid A. Go watch this wrestling match. Yeah, it was such a good freaking match. I really enjoyed this. And it was one of those matches where it was like, hmm, who's going to win? Who's honestly going to win? I thought Ibushi was going to win, to be 100% honest. But then I remembered that Zack Sabre Jr. is going to win this tournament. So, you know. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's a take. I, he's, he's a world beater right now, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, so moving on. We're on to G1 Climax 31, night six, which is actually Wednesday morning, September 29th, 2021. We're going to start with Evil versus Tai Chi. Coming into this match, Tai Chi was somehow tied for first and Evil tied for second. So this was actually a huge matchup in the block at this moment. Evil ended up winning via a technical submission when he locked a scorpion deathlock on an unconscious Tai Chi for the win at 11 minutes and 30 seconds. You know, it was it was all it was an evil match. It was a lot of cheating and chicanery, but I'm a sucker for heel versus heel matches, Boris. I thought this was pretty decent for what it was. 11 minutes, good opener. I went three climaxes out of five for this one. Yeah, I, I for the most part, like this match. Um, one thing that I noticed at this point of the tournament, that is the match placements. Before, it was very traditional that you had your tag team undercard matches, and then at the end, you'd get your G1 matches. I kind of like the mix that they're going with. They're starting the show off with a couple G1 matches and ending the show with a couple G1 matches and making you watch the entire show like an idiot. <laughs> like some kind of moron. Uh, good, good on you, uh, ghetto. So we're going to continue here. Chase Owens versus Sonata. We don't have to say too much about it, but I will say Chase is performing really well. I think I kind of like him more than Sonata at this moment. Sonata did pin Chase Owens with his mood assault in thankfully 12 minutes, 11 minutes and 58 seconds. I thought this was actually like the best probably Sonata match in the tournament so far. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, yeah, it's crazy. I, you know, and it's what I, I honestly thought for a few, a few years ago, for a few months, that Sonata was going to be a standout performer. It just kind of seems like everyone has progressed and, and stepped up a notch or two, and he's kind of just stayed stagnant where he's at, you know? Yep. But the unfortunate part, and this is kind of where I kind of fight with New Japan, and it's just like he's so high on the, high up on the card, but he's just not having good matches anymore. Like, he's really being pushed and pushed and pushed by his opponents to have a good match. Yeah. And uh, he's, yeah, getting dragged there, kicking and screaming when he has one. Yep. So, yeah. For this one, I would go as high as three and a half climaxes out of five. 70%. Pretty solid match. Next up, Jeff Cobb versus Hiroki Goto. So, Jeff Cobb and Okada control their own destiny in this thing. They just have to continue to win, and they will stay in first place until they meet each other, right? So, uh, a Goto for his uh, for his part, he's usually like the G one ace. The th the saying is he puts uh, Goto puts the G in G one or whatever it is. I don't quite know it, but anyway, uh, Goto's doing really poorly. He's lost two in a row to beatable opponents. He lost to Taichi, who sucks, and he lost to Tanahashi after dominating him. But then Tanahashi stole it with your favorite the roll up. Yep. <laughs> anyway. 
so yeah, this was the Jeff Cobb show. He continues to uh, to crank beats Goto with his spinning power slam dealio called the Tour of the Islands. Fifteen minutes and eight seconds. Very good match. Not quite great. It, it's exactly what you're expecting when you picture Goto versus Cobb. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. I have a feeling that Goto is going to have a really bad tournament. And then the build-up basically for, um, you know, the rest of October, November, December is going to be like him trying to refine himself. And he's going to get a huge win against someone like a Kenta at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. I can see that. Or do you think they finally like switch him heel and he goes like mean guy Goto? Yeah, that'd be good. Change it up a little bit, right? Yeah. I think they could use him. I'd rather see Goto in Evil's role than Evil. Oh, same here. I'm 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 bored of Evil as well. Like it's the same. And, and unfortunately, with Evil, the issue isn't so much him. It's that anytime there's an Evil match, there's a schmoz and BS happening. Yeah, 100%. Trillion percent agree, and it's so distracting and annoying. Anyway, uh, so I would go three and three quarters, B plus, 75% on that one. Uh, Good showing by Jeff Cobb. Another match, I'm going to go the same level, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Tamatonga. Honest to God, one of the best Tamatonga singles matches I've ever seen. Tonga beats the shit out of Tanahashi. Tanahashi keeps coming and coming. Tonga gets a little lax, and Tanahashi pins him with a crucifix reversal in 14-17. One of those things where Tonga takes a lazy pin, and Tanahashi turns it into the crucifix for the win. Tonga's having a decent tourney, all things considered. Considering, like, who he is and where he is on the card and what people think of his abilities, he's definitely showing up. He's doing well. Yeah, yeah. I think they're gearing him up for a run in North America with another promotion. That's honestly where I see this going with him. And that's why they're really trying to build him up, get, you know, um, the whole New Japan thing around him so that he can really show up in North America and do well. That's a really good call. Uh, I can definitely see that. I, I I think it. you might be onto something there, Boris. But yeah, just like the previous match, I would go three and three quarters on this one. Very good. Not quite great. But uh, Tanahashi getting his ass beat and pulling rabbits out of his hat here. Two in a row. So we're going to go, yeah, three and three quarter climaxes out of five. 75%. B plus in Canada. Boris, the main event of night six was the best match of Yoshihashi's career. Kazuchika Okada versus Yoshihashi. Yeah, this match I had zero expectations for. I was thinking above the Mendoza line simply because it's Okada. But this match impressed me quite a bit. And it was, what what, what do we talk about all the time, Boris? The the pillars, right? So not only is the camera work so awesome in New Japan because they just let the wrestlers do the the storytelling and they don't go over the top. They don't Kevin Dunn you over the head with uh, cuts, right? But uh, Chris Charlton on commentary did an absolutely unreal job of telling the story of Yoshihashi. He made you believe that this fucking goofball had a shot to beat Kazuchika Okada in the main event of a G1 show. He made you care about the plight of Yoshihashi, this kid who 
came in in a tryout and he got cut because he was too small. And then he came in again and he looked even better, but they cut him and they kept, he kept coming to these tryouts and they kept cutting him because he was so small. And then he finally made the roster and he wrestled Okada. At, I think it was a wrestle kingdom in like 2011 or 12. Okada beat the crap out of him. And then Okada has gone on to be the Ric Flair of Japan, the Randy Orton, the John Cena. And yes, I included Randy Orton in that sentence, Boris. And, uh, <laughs> I'll let the crowd get you on that one. <laughs> anyway, they really made you think that not only did Yoshihashi have a shot, but that he actually belonged like in this main event. It was just a great job overall. And of course, Okada wins in the end with the Rainmaker in 26 minutes, 53 seconds. Honest to God, the best match of Yoshihashi's entire career. Watch this wrestling match. Four and a quarter climax eye. Caliente. I was honestly really uh, wow good I no, I love this match also and like you said it was the commentary dude this guy Chris Charlton amazing absolutely amazing one of the best really, in the business to tell a story yeah he's yeah exactly right he's uh his voice is like an acquired taste it takes you a second to adjust to it but he's really improved over the last like two years he's getting really good at this commentary thing i love his commentary remember the um and sorry for for completely like veering us off the tracks here but just sticking with his commentary and him making you care about certain wrestlers do you remember the uh hiroshi versus el desperado match and just the storytelling he told you the full story of you know the origins of el desperado and why that match was huge and why el desperado needed to win etc like this guy is so freaking good at just making you care about people that we should have zero reason to care about Exactly, man. He like lets you into the world and he like he under well, the fact that he understands Japanese is so huge because he actually knows what's going on. But yeah, it's so good. He he is a treat on these uh English uh productions of New Japan shows. Definitely like super necessary to be there, especially in a tournament like the G1 with so many moving parts, right? Yep. All right. So moving on, this was this morning, Boris, night seven, September 30th. 2021 G1 Climax 31 started off with Tangaloa versus Tomohiro Ishii. Now, this was your classic Brett the Hitman Ishii match, buddy. This was Ishii knowing what his opponent can and can't do, knowing what he can and can't do, and putting together a good logical wrestling match based around their limitations. Yep. That's exactly it, and I really enjoyed this match overall. Ishii is just so freaking good. Um, Yeah, I like this, but... I think it went a little too long. That's fair. I definitely could see that. Uh, I, I won't argue that at all. Ishii pins Tangaloa to get his first official win in the G1 with a brain buster in 16 minutes and 18 seconds. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because going into this match, my other theory was that Goto and Ishii were going to have a shit tournament and just say, all right, let's tag team together again. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. I could kind of see that. I, uh, I, I hope Goto's going heel, but uh, famous last words. We've been saying that for a long time. Yep. Who knows? Exactly. Go ahead. All right. So, yeah, we're going to go three and a half uh, out of five. Three and a half climaxes out of five. You could you could argue it was too long and maybe I overrated it, but it's still it's Ishii. He did a great job. Uh, next up, we had the undefeated Great Okan atop the block versus the undefeated Zack Sabre Jr., the real main event of this show, Boris. 
Coming into this match, Great Ocon 4-0, Zack Sabre 3-0, and this was actually a scientific chess match. I didn't know Great Ocon had this in him. I didn't realize he was this good on the ground. He is. He's he's really good. He had great matches against Okada. I think I gave Okada a lot of uh, credit for those matches. Um, yeah, he's not the worst, but he's no Zack Sabre Jr., no, he is no Zack Sabre Jr. So ZSJ wins another clean submission, submitting the Great Ocon in 15 minutes and 26 seconds with something called How About These Legs, which is like a koala bear style choking mounted arm bar thing. I actually have pictures of all of these submissions up on my coverage at sportsfap.com. Be sure to check that out if you want to see Zack Sabre Jr. murking these people. But yeah. I thought this was, you know, this was professional grappling. It was pro-graps, even though I want to punch anyone who calls wrestling pro-graps. <laughs> You're using climaxes as rating systems. You're fapping to sports. Matt, what's wrong with you? <laughs> That's true. That's two jerk-off puns in the same coverage here. I should probably choose one or the other. Uh <laughs> Anyway, on that note, we're going to go three and a half climaxes out of five. 70% climax percentage on this one. Boy. Love it. All right. Here's a question from a listener. And I'm going to ask it now just because this is the last time we're going to talk about the G1 champion, Zack Sabre Jr. And he asks, <laughs> with which submission move do you think uh, Zack Sabre Jr. is going to beat Ishii with? Oh, that's that is dirty because Ishii, he's the stone pit bull, man. He doesn't feel feelings or pain. He doesn't tap out to any man. So I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be called the sledgehammer of Oz, where he wraps him up in an octopus hold and then pulls out a sledgehammer and literally murders him in the <laughs> middle of the ring for the submission. Oh, Lord. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, no, Zack Sabre Jr. Is, has been an absolute treat on the microphone and in the ring in this entire G1. He's great. Watch every single second of everything he does. Yep. All right, next match, Kota Ibushi versus Toru Yano. Uh, Toru Yano, sorry. Coming into this match, Ibushi struggling to find his form after suffering from pneumonia. Toru Yano is 3-1. He's gotten three wins too many. So this was exactly what you're expecting. Toriano pulls some crazy shenanigans. He puts a bag over Kota's head. He rolls him up in the ring apron like a human burrito. Just rolls him up like a like like a Sopranos victim in a rug. And then uh, Kota breaks out of his uh, breaks out of his trap, beats the shit out of Toriano, and wins with the Kamigoye in four minutes and three seconds. Yep, this match, I like this match because it was the right length, the right yep. guy won. Yep. And you had the Yano stupidity. So, because this is the last time we're going to be talking about Yano, this is the issue I have with G1, that it really highlights some of the tropes that New Japan has. The Yano yeah. matches, the Bullet Club schmazes, the stupid ass interference, the stupid ass roll-up victories. You never actually realize how... How many roll-up victories, roll-up wins, roll-up covers there are in New Japan until the G1? It's, like, annoying because, like, if it were real and the stuff that Yano was doing was working, obviously he would continue to do it. If it were real and the stuff that the Bullet Club was doing was working, obviously they would continue to do it. The thing is, Boris, it's fake and we have to watch it. So please stop doing that, you know? <laughs> yep. Agreed. Agreed 100%. Agreed 100%. But yeah, I did... 
I did overall. I was worried that this would go like 20 minutes as a swerve. So I'm actually really good that it was exactly what it needed to be. It achieved what it set out to do. We're going to go three climaxes out of five, 60%. It's a C, Boris. Cool. I, that's exactly All what right. I would have given it. Um, I may have gone a little slower, but I have to 100% admit I wasn't fully invested in this morning's show as I was watching it. There was a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. So um, we're going into the main event now, Kenta versus Shingo. Shingo, obviously, the current reigning, defending IWGP world champion. Both of these guys currently with one loss in the group. So they kind of need this, especially with Zack Sabre Jr. absolutely cranking everyone. They kind of can't afford to take the second loss. So a very important, very hard-fought wrestling match. I really like the storytelling here a lot because this was the first part of a greater tale, which is Shingo is wearing down. You see it a lot in the G1 climax. The the champion is getting everyone's best shot and he's 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 like his it's a war of attrition, Boris, and his life bar is dwindling. Shingo's is so after Kenta the referee gets bumped and after Kenta grabs a chair and lays waste to Shingo's arm Shingo makes a big comeback wins with his move the last of the dragon which is like a wrist clutch fireman's carry neck breaker driver-ish thing it was 24 minutes 23.56 to be precise a great wrestling match I really like the storytelling and I didn't mind the length of it because the previous one only went four minutes yep that's exactly what I was going to say. I had no issue with this match whatsoever. Yeah, so I would say this is a great match. I would recommend this one, too, in the main event of uh, of Night 7. Kenta versus Shingo. We're going to go four climaxes out of five for that one. So that is everything that we have missed so far. I'll just give you a little preview of the next two shows. So Friday morning uh, coming up. We have night eight, which is Jeff Cobb versus Tamatonga. Again, Jeff Cobb is undefeated, needs that one. Evil versus Chase Owens. Yoshihashi versus Taichi. Okada versus Goto. Again, Okada undefeated, so that's very interesting. And Tanahashi versus Sonata as the main event of night eight. Both of those guys have one loss. Neither one can afford to go to two losses. So that's that's basically a loser leaves town match right there in the main event. Yep, exactly. Uh, G1 Climax night nine is Sunday morning, and that has Great Okan versus Kenta, Tangaloa versus Yujiro, Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr. Hook it to my veins. This is Sabre Jr. wanting to submit people. Four submissions in a row against the Stone Pitbull who does not feel human pain. Let's do it. Yeah, dude. I think this is my most anticipated match of the over the next week or so. Guaranteed. 100% agree with you, buddy. And the main event of Sunday morning's show... Uh, night nine is Kota Ibushi versus Shingo. So how could you go wrong there? The top two matches on Sunday morning show are going to be great. Yep. Yep. I think it's going to be match of the year contenders, like realistically, if they give them the time, if they let them do what they can do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, so quickly, standings right now at this moment. Block A, this is the group with Naito. So Naito is out of it completely and we're giving everyone all of the forfeit points already so consider naito having lost nine matches and everyone else having their win versus Naito. that hurts me. number one that hurts me so yeah, much so, 
But it's sad. It's you know what? It's not far from the way that they book Naito in New Japan sometimes. So sure. <laughs> oh no! I almost spit coffee on my computer. <laughs> that's uh, that, that's a little harsh, but uh, I see your point. Anyway, so in first place, four and oh, eight points, Zack Saber Jr. In second place, four and one, eight points, but a loss to Zack Saber Jr. The Great Okan. Third place, Shingo Tagagi. He has six points at three and one. And then in fourth place, Kenta, Kota, Abushi, and Toru Yanu somehow. They all have six points, but they're three and two. So those are the guys who still have somewhat of a mathematical shot to win block A. There's also Yujiro at four points, two and two. Ishii at four points, two and three. Tangaloa at two points, one and three. And Naito out of the group. So yep. it's basically looking like Sabres uh, to lose, but one of Kenta, Kota, or Yano, God bless him, could come through mathematically and still steal this. Mathematically. Mathematically. Block B is the Okada versus Cobb show. It's looking like both guys are going to be undefeated until they wrestle each other. Jeff Cobb, 6.3-0. Kazuchika Okada, 6.3-0. Now the fuck pack, as they say, Boris, as I say, in this group, the people say, who have they? Four... <laughs> <laughs> they in this case is me and me alone. But uh, yeah, so there are four people tied at third place in this group. Four points, two and one. That is Evil, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Sonata, and Tai Chi. All of those guys could theoretically still kind of pull it out. And again, Tanahashi and Sonata are wrestling uh, as the main event of the upcoming show there. So one of those guys is going to be out of that mix, and they're going to basically be out. So Jeff Cobb, Kazuchika Okada, undefeated. Evil, Tanahashi, Sonata, and Tai Chi still with an outside chance to catch him. Tomatonga has two points, one win, two losses, and Chase Owens, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi have all gone 0-3 yet to win. Yep. Yep. All right. And uh, one last thing, recommended matches, just a quick top five matches of the G1 so far. Number one match, Shingo Takagi versus Zack Sabre from night three. We gave that four and a half climaxes, four and a half stars. Uh, the second, that's the best match of the tournament in our opinion, my opinion anyway. Number two, this was the match that Dave Meltzer gave five and a half stars to. So this is the most famous, uh, arguably like the best uh, in terms of general consensus, but I don't. I think it was the second best. Still an incredible match. That's Ishii versus Shingo from night one. So those are the two classics I think of this G1 so far. Shingo versus uh, Zack Saber and Shingo versus Ishii from night three and night one respectively. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Those two um, matches are just must watch. If you don't watch those matches, you hate professional wrestling. <laughs> Yes, I would also say watch Okada versus Tanahashi, Okada versus Yoshihashi, and Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. Those are your top five matches. Okada Tanahashi night two, Okada Yoshihashi night six, and Ibushi Zack Sabre Jr. night five. Those are the five best matches. Every single one of those we went above four stars for. Yep, yeah, exactly. Though That's a pretty good list he got there. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. And I think we did it. I think we got it in, buddy. So, yeah, next next week we're coming at you with uh, four more of these things, I think. 
yeah, I think there are four shows that we're going to be covering because it's the one, two over the next uh, over the weekend, and then I think there's one on Tuesday and Wednesday or something like that. Yeah, Monday and Thursday, I think. The two. Oh, yes. <laughs> Funny how that works. Oh my god, that is actually hilarious. You know what? Let's vap. Let's uh, let's keep going. Let's keep talking because I have the calendar here. So it is Monday and it is Thursday. You are correct. There you go. <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah, just because, yeah, I, I'm hoping so because I, I just wrote it down. I'm staring at it right now. So hopefully I did that correct. Yeah, in my mind, I was like, yeah, I, I'm not even going to justify it. I was probably thinking the off days. <laughs> oh, anyway, well, good job today, Hobie. I think we got it all in. We had like seven wrestling shows to cover and some sports. But uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. And yeah, I just wanted to plug, cheap plug. I'm going to be on the main show this Sunday with uh, with the big boss, Jason Agnew, talking a little draft. I'm sure talking a little G1 and whatever, you know. But uh, hopefully check that out on uh, terrestrial radio in Canada if you're nasty. Yeah, look at that. Making making it to the show you are. All right, so if you are a patron of Sunday night's main event, make sure to catch all the all the other shows. There's so many great shows. You got the midweek midweek markout. You got NXT talk. You got this show bam. You have the Smack Daddies and then you have all of the weekly and the old fucks covering Rampage. Plus, you get the main terrestrial show early with a podcast special. The podcast special is always a fun time, um, and it's always a good listen because they really expand on on just the general wrestling chatter. Dude, we talked Impact and New Japan on the same show. (sighs) (laughs) The good, the bad, and the ugly of pro wrestling, buddy. All here on BAM. I love it. The show is BAM, Boris, and Matt Weekly. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Goodbye.